Welcome to the Rod of Iron Podcast, Fundamental Baptist, breaking down discussions, dogma, and daily events. I'm your host, Pastor Bruce Mejia of First Works Baptist Church here in beautiful Southern California, Orange County. And I'm here with a special guest this episode, Dr. Rita Ellithorpe. And uh, she's a, she's one of our church members here. She's been a, a big blessing to our church and, of course, to me personally. And so uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of different things in this episode. And make sure you share this with your family and friends. We're going to uh, kind of go off topic of what we typically would talk about in this podcast and just re- discuss some things regarding health. But more specifically, we're going to be talking about testosterone uh, hormones and a little bit into Dr. Rita's background and how she became a doctor. And so Dr. Rita, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. How are you? I'm blessed. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, So tell me, Dr. Rita, have you always been a doctor? (laughs) (laughs) No. No. Tell me how you got into the field, uh, into this field, please. Well, I guess it starts with my father, who was in food research, armor food research. Uh, We were in the upper um, northern Illinois, southern Wisconsin Mm -hmm. um, area in the farmland. And my dad would drive all the way into Chicago every day for work in food research and fatty science research and the fats in the animal uh, fat research department. And I was able to go in to work with him. Uh, My mother was injured, and I was the youngest of uh, four daughters. And so he brought me to work, and I saw the labs and the bubbling, you know, bottles and everything. And and Dad didn't have any sons, so I guess I was always at his hip, no matter what we did on the farm, you know. So that interested me in science, and my father was a very special and wonderful man. uh, Later in life, he became a Christian. I was able and honored to witness his uh, uh, conviction, uh, conversion to uh, Christianity. Amen. And and accept Jesus as his only hope of salvation. In fact, my Bibles, I always keep one of his uh, statements and his references to the Word of God in here. That's awesome. It's a blessing to see his handwriting on my Bible. Amen. Um, And that interested me. uh, But, you know, I was in school. I was the best in the science projects at school and science fairs and, Mm -hmm. you know, won the prizes and everything. But I got married at, uh, I started dating my husband when I was 16, and then I got married when I was 17. And my goal was to be John Ellithorpe's uh, wife and take care of him and have his children. He was going to be a teacher, uh, a grammar school teacher, and that, I thought, was my life. Mm -hmm. But then Vietnam happened, and he went off to war, and uh, uh, he uh, took me to his first uh, encampment. You know, this was Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And then he said, uh, I promised your father that I would allow you to get a uh, college education and he gave that promise to my father, so he walked me over. We were only a block from the campus. We your, your fa- I'm sorry, your father wanted you to get a, a college education. Yes. And so he basically had your husband promise him that um, if you'd marry, that he would kind of fulfill that promise of allowing you to do that. Yes. Okay. And so he walked me over to campus, and he actually picked out the uh, the courses I was going to take, and I... I went to college, Mm -hmm. and uh, he went off to uh, doing his active duty, and I was there with my Bible in one hand and and my studies in the other, and it just never ended. And, and, you know, we didn't use birth control, and and there were no babies or anything like that. So 
I just kept on studying and, and uh, being the uh, Bible, physics, chemistry kid on the campus. Everyone knew me, all my professors, and, and did so well. I guess I got accepted to medical school and still no babies, uh, still no birth control. Mm-hmm. And I did very well and, and finished. And uh, then after I'm a doctor and everything, then I had my first son. And then the Lord gave me a second son, and and that's where I am today. Now, I had a military obligation of at least nine years. So the earliest I could conceivably stop working full-time was uh, after uh, Talon was like uh, eight and Brighton was uh, six or something like that. And I was hoping then that things would be that I could do that mm-hmm. and, and stay with them, but life didn't have that happen and I uh, had to uh, work and uh, it worked out okay ultimately it led to this wonderful position where we're at where my husband is at work with me and my eldest son runs the place uh, Tustin Longevity Center and both my sons have worked there and my oldest son still is and runs the place and my husband runs the maintenance and and shipping and everything so it's a family business to this day and I, I just want to be clear to the audience that when I was um, attempting uh, to uh, think about being a doctor, I asked my husband's permission. And he said, of course, you know, you, you can certainly go for that. And uh, so I just wanted to be clear. It's with his permission that we have our clinic, that it is a family business with my husband there and my sons. And uh, I am there today. Well, I appreciate your testimony because, um, Dr. Rita, you um – Obviously, you know, our church and, and what we believe about the Bible, especially regarding biblical roles in the home, uh, that's something that we talk about and we preach about and we teach on. And it's always a blessing to have someone in our church who reinforces that, um, you know, who teaches the younger women and reinforces what I preach from the pulpit and teaches the women in our church, follow the lead of your husband, be under his authority. And so, you know, when when looking at your story and your testimony basically we can conclude that you simply followed the lead of your husband and never went out from under his authority to do your own thing this is all sanctioned by your husband Mm -hmm. and so um i appreciate that because you know dr reed in our church i often see her talking to the younger women and she's teaching them to to love their husbands and guide the home and you know obviously they'll, they'll look at dr rita as being someone well you're a doctor and you have a clinic but all with the permission of your husband it's something that your husband wanted you to do to go to college for these things and obviously all things work together for good to them that love god people often have uh this misconception that um you know, oh, well, you preach this, and so you'll never accept someone in your church. But but the reality is this, is we have to preach what the Bible says, regardless of what background a person comes from in our church. And as long as people in our church reinforce what the Bible says and reinforce the preaching of God's Word, and understand that sometimes we make mistakes, or maybe it's it wasn't the ideal situation, but it was definitely done under our God-given authority, all things work together for good because you have through this have been a blessing to a lot of people. And, you know, I was talking about uh, to you about this earlier before we started the podcast is, you know, the Bible talks about spiritual gifts and I, and I preached on spiritual gifts, Romans chapter 12, first Corinthians 12. And one of the spiritual gifts that the Bible mentions is the gift of healing. Right. And obviously one interpretation could be that the gift of healing is referring to 
um, the supernatural ability to remove a disease from a person or heal the lame and the blind and the sick, uh, those who were infected or had uh, palsy, just miraculously. You know, the shadow passed over them and they're able to heal them. And I definitely agree with that interpretation, especially when it comes to the apostles. But another interpretation can simply mean that a person with the gift of healing has the uh, God enabled them and gifted them to basically, uh, you know, know how to heal the body, you know, know medicine and how to heal the body. And the reason I would even bring that up is because you have the gift of tongues, for example, which people think is this divine language, which no man can understand. When actuality, someone who has the gift of tongues is simply an individual who knows how to learn languages. Mm -hmm. They're gifted in that area. Not everyone has that gift. Well, I would I would liken that to the gift of healing, where someone just has the ability to know, or the God given ability to to heal the body naturally, or understand what how the body works and how God composed the body. And so I would say you have the gift of healing because you have a good innate understanding of the physical body and what it needs to in order to be healed to become stronger uh how to avoid disease etc would you agree with that yeah uh, my father if uh i don't know if you would recall this uh, because um, of your age but back in the 1970s there was this congressional meeting kind of like the con the government getting involved in covid and mm -hmm. having these meetings on covid there were meetings back in the 70s on heart disease and what's causing this new increase in heart disease senator mcgowan ran it and it came up with the cholesterol heart disease hypothesis mm. and back then my father being in food research knew many of the uh, people and the publications and research on the benefit of a good old-fashioned healthy um, <clears throat> piece of meat and real butter and and cooking in saturated fats and they were totally against uh, seed oils or vegetable oils and and what happened was we uh, we started to see how censorship was occurring even back then mm. of the research on the blessings of uh, butter and the blessings of uh, grass-fed wild-caught because most of it was still uh, not this big mega industrialized uh, farming. Mm -hmm. And that's when my eyes were opened and my father's to see the corruption in science even and the censorship in science even back then. Yeah. So science falsely so called yeah. so called uh, motivated by obviously money. Exactly. Yeah, because the first American Heart Association was really the the American Lung and Heart Association. That's how it originally started. But who was it sponsored by and who uh, published it? Well, it was the food industries uh, publishing it, the cereal uh, industries for uh, cheap, over-the-counter, long-shelf life, yeah. which would be hydrogenated fats, and that's, of course, what my father was tasked into doing. And he predicted so much increase of illness and vague illness and chronic problems emerging, even in the children and the pregnancies, because he said, we're made of fat and protein on our cell membranes. It's a double layer. It's called a bilipid layer, protein and fat. And they're, they're damning it. They're mm -hmm. saying this is evil. And uh, what will happen then is much like a house, if it has shingles, 
that are getting old and need repair, if you don't replace them. The elements can get in and destroy the house. Yeah, no matter how good you have your inside house, and I liken that to say, no matter how good you hear about one antioxidant like resveratrol or coenzyme Q10 or some other, you know, name of the week vitamin uh, super uh, natural supplement, if it isn't contained within a compartment, a safe compartment, it can't do its work efficiently because even the mitochondria, your cell energy mm-hmm. uh, battery and, and the intracellular organelles, they also have a double membrane, uh, lipid membrane. And this is where my research, and I'm, I'm published, I'm a, a scientist too, I've, I'm published, I majored in chemistry, biochemistry, and, and uh, I'm published in cell membrane repair for this reason. So I'm sure I am who I am by what God wanted. Yeah, Not absolutely. so much that I was smart to figure it out on my own. And what you're referring to the cell membrane, you, you're, to put it in layman's terms, you're basically saying that sicknesses are often a result of breaches in the cell membrane that are caused by bad dieting. And the way you repair the cell membranes is by feeding the body proteins and fats, which is exactly what it's made up of. And the sicknesses are not just a result of the breaches in the cell membrane, but the residue that resides within from those breaches, correct? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So you have to have a good delivery system to that cell to um, get its nutrients and everything it needs and and repair its shingles on its roof Mm -hmm. or its membranes and its inner membranes. And you have to have a waste removal. Right. Which would you say like a good um, waste removal would be fasting, correct? Oh, absolutely. That's an excellent form of of repairing the the house, so to speak. Yes. But there is marketing and there is, uh, um, you know, propaganda, really. Mm -hmm. Uh, TV images, marketing, uh, telling you it's only fun. You can only be happy and fun if you go out to eat or mm-hmm. if you eat this item. Only hip people eat certain things and they market their imagery, uh, drinking, alcohol, late night partying, uh, fast foods, shelf storage life. Uh, I remember one, I don't even know the names because I've never bought these things, but um, <coughs> uh, Snackos was the name of it. Well, these were these no carb uh, uh, foods, they were cookies. Snack wells. Mm. I remember it. That's the name of it. Snack wells. There was nothing good about it. They would advertise no fat, and yet it was tons of sugar. The very thing that was creating the the problem: right. the excess carbs and high um, uh, high fructose corn syrup and such. Well, you know, it's interesting. Is, you know, you talk about the propaganda. I, I feel like now, although the propaganda hasn't ceased when it comes to the misinformation regarding food, I do see. Um, I don't want to say it's trending, but I, I do see a lot of people because of the Internet. Well, let me say this. Because of the Internet, there's a lot of misinformation. But um, on the flip side of that, I feel like you can get a lot of truth as well. Yes. And so what I've seen is, um, you know, a lot of momentum in uh, good foods. And one popular thing that I see people getting into is nose to tail uh, dieting, you know, you can call it carnivore or nose to tell, just ancestral dieting. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your take on that? And why don't you talk about what it is first, and then what's your take on it? Well, that's uh, returning back to uh, a more um, natural uh, animal, poultry, fish, uh, pork, 
crustacean uh, eating and less of the plant-based diet. I am not a f in favor of plants uh, because they have been so um, destroyed with uh, packaging, so mm -hmm. to say. Unless, you know, you, you go and you get some uh, packaged uh, broccoli or Brussels sprouts or things like that, where most of this uh, plant-based food is in some packaged format. I'm, I'm trying to get back to as natural eating. Uh, nose to tail is more of the carnivore or some are a mixed paleo uh, mm -hmm. type diet. And because your cell membranes are made of fat and protein, you must eat the fat and protein. But marketing is put out there saying you should eat uh, omega-3 fatty acids, fish uh, oil uh, things, um, and the fish oil capsules. Uh, Omega-6s are bad, okay? And they say the word EPA, DHA, EPA, DHA. Well, in reality, there are only two human fats that are essential, only two, and that's linoleic and alpha-linoleic acid. Linoleic is omega-6, alpha-linoleic is omega-3, and they have two double bonds in them, whereas the EPA and DHA from fish have five or more double bonds in them, and when a fish uh, is in the water, typically the water temperature is maybe, you know, 40 degrees, 50 degrees, or, or even less. If you sample a fish that's in cold water, their percentage of EPA and DHA will be very high in their cell membranes, and God put it there. That's why I love the Bible, uh, because um, a fish, in order to w swim in the water, and not freeze because there are fish that can swim in the water in 29, 28 degree water. Mm -hmm. And they don't freeze uh, because of all those double bonds in their fatty acids unique to the fish. Hmm. If you take fish that are from the Caribbean where the water temperatures are much higher, double, 70, 80 degree, you'll find a far reduced concentration of omega-3 uh, fatty acids uh, and omega-6s. We humans, we walk at 98.6 degrees all the time. And I tell my patients, you're like a 98.6 slow roast, a 200-pound slow 98.6 roast. And you have to understand that there are requirements for coolants and movement and intake and, and exhaust waste material. And if you don't understand that you're cooking, you're oxidizing, you're burning, and you don't know how to manage that, you won't live well, you won't live hmm. long, you'll be more susceptible to disease. So do plants and eating plants really help repair and give us coolant and re, uh, replacement parts? No, for the most part, no. It is the eating that nose to tail like you brought up, eating those things because that uh, animal has to deal with the same problem and they're always trying to naturally eat they're not biased with commercials and Instagram and yeah so and plants are rigid we're not rigid beings and then also uh, uh, they're not um, they're not necessarily bioavailable right they're not necessarily you know that's why you have the cow with so many stomachs in order to, to kind of process all that yes. for us yes and so you know i'm not really big on vegetables you know obviously there's certain vegetables that i'll eat just for for pleasure asparagus wrapped in bacon mm -hmm. um but other than that i'm not really big on that 
Um, I did get into a little bit of carnivore and nose to tail. I've been eating a lot of liver lately, which um, is a very nutrient dense food. And I had definitely seen a difference in uh, energy and strength. Of course, I do powerlifting, and so um, I always have it before my deadlift, and it and it helps me a lot the day before my deadlift. Um, and so it definitely helps a lot. I do see a, a major difference between my diet now and my diet before, and, and how it's helped my body and, and everything like that. But um, what particular diet, or should, uh, should I say, do you prefer? I know you've you've had keto, you've done keto, the ketogenic diet. I know you've also experimented with the carnivore diet. Uh, are you sticking with that? Is there something that you prefer more than the other, or is just a balance of both? What would you say? I, I stick with a keto carnivore picture. When, when I say keto to carnivore, carnivore is exclusively animal diet, mm -hmm. okay? Anything made and produced from animals. When I say keto, I'm allowing some vegetables in like asparagus, green bean, Brussels sprouts, uh, broccoli, spinach, those kind of things, but buttered up heavily and usually cooked mm -hmm. as opposed to eating raw and salad-rich salad foods. Now, I want to tell you a little bit why. Most people uh, buy salad dressings, and most of these salad dressings are entertainment sugar sources. Mm -hmm. And they put in croutons, and they put in all manner of things to turn a salad into a disguised <laughs> treat, you know. So um, I'm always fighting with my patients, mm -hmm. uh, not that I'm anti-salad. It's that there are so many dangers in uh, doing this. So I say, if you're going to have a salad, have it with olive oil and vinegar, okay? Try and have it a simple salad instead of a jazzed-up wild variety. And the reason is also the more spices you drink or take down your throat, the more variety of the food items in that salad. Some people have seeds, nothing wrong with a seed necessarily, but they have seeds, then they have croutons, then they have sprouts, then they have carrots, then they have avocado, then they have romaine, and they have arugula, and they have mm -hmm. cheese chunks in there. I mean, that <laughs> becomes such a huge... Uh, uh, menu for your gut to figure out. You have to understand your adenoids and your tonsils and all down the lining of your gastrointestinal system are gut-associated lymphoid patches, okay? And these patches are there as God's uh, watchmen to make sure if bacteria and bugs or toxins are coming down with that piece of food that they can s sort it out and, and attack it. Mm -hmm. uh, also to make sure that this is friend or foe. Yes, we need these amino acids. No, we don't, that's not what we want. And food itself that is plant-based is foreign to a human. We're not made of cellulose. We're not made of these things. Yes, they contain vitamins and yes, they contain minerals. And yes, they uh, contain some starch or fruit sugars, and, and we can utilize these things, and they're valuable, but we're not composed of them. You could get everything out of that liver. You can even get vitamin C. Yeah. Okay? So these are foreign proteins that your own immune system has to work very hard to try and sort out friend or foe, what can we use, and is it digested properly? Very often, your blood type might be of a <coughs> sort that makes you digest foods less well than another blood type. Like mine, for example. I'm yeah. blood type A. Yeah. And so um, I require 
systemic enz- or enzymes to break down my food sometimes. Yes, yes. And and I, I'll just tell you the facts. I, in my clinic, you know, I was never taught this in medical school, uh, that blood types matter other than uh, uh, the um, birth of the child and the father for, you know, antibodies to the baby's blood and getting a Rogam shot or for a blood transfusion. But actually, your, your white blood cells are, um, and your red blood cells are part of your immune surveillance. And you look and screen the world a little bit differently as an A-type blood than I as a B-positive or B-negative or A-minus or A-positive. And so there, there's the O, there's the ABs, and there's many other components to this as well. So your immune system is really stressed. The greater your entertainment you know, variety, and what is it marketed? Everything is marketed to be have this kind of breakfast in the morning, use this kind of treat, snack before lunch, go to this kind of ethnic restaurant for lunch, have this kind of snack for the afternoon. Whereas your body prefers to have the same thing every day. Yes. You know, the same thing for for lunch and dinner. In order to metabolize and process the food properly, it requires kind of the the same thing. Mm Because if you eat something different during lunch uh, for dinner, your body's like, whoa, we got a you know, we got something new taking place here. Isn't that correct? Immunologically, yes. Yeah. yeah, and it puts a stress there where maybe your immune system would be better off serving you, protecting you from, you know, a, a stem cell of a cancer cell that's starting to float around or emerge. Mm-hmm. So uh, if 70, 80% of your whole immune system lines this gut, God is telling you, watch what you eat. Mm-hmm. I, I put most of your immune system there. Watch what you're eating. And so uh, the whole marketing, Instagram, people taking pictures of every silly meal they're eating, tempting their friends and neighbors, you know, lusting after their food, lusting after going and buying this or marketing. It is creating such a adultery, you might say, to the body that I work so hard. Well, to I promote. only post liver. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime I, the only food I post is, is my liver right before I consume it. And so, yeah, I agree with you 100%. That's definitely true. I mean, in the, the Bible, obviously, is not for a plant-based diet either. Mm-hmm. Anybody who is an advocate uh, of a plant-based diet and try to, tries to defend it with Scripture can only go to the book of Genesis prior to the fall, yeah. which obviously our bodies were completely different during that time since, you know, um, sin wasn't as of yet introduced. Mm-hmm. But thereafter, you know, you do have an animal-based product that we you know they were eating they're sacrificing animals they're eating the animals of the field the beasts of the field and that's what god commanded for them to do and, and the, often the, the common argument is like well that's because of sin and so they'll say well because of sin we have to eat an animal based product and somehow you know we for that reason we should go back to a plant-based diet but but here's the thing clothing is a product of the sin, the fall of man as well. Should we stop wearing clothes as well? No. You know, this is the era in which we live. And obviously sometime in the future, uh, after the millennial reign, it'll return back to a plant-based diet. But at that point, we'll have glorified bodies. But, you know, it it doesn't require, we can't get there on our own. Obviously, we have to work on God's timetable. And right now, God encourages, and in a sense, you know, 
I'm not saying he commands, but he does encourage a, a animal-based product. And Romans chapter 14 says that he, he that eateth herbs is weak. Mm -hmm. And that is not only true from a spiritual perspective, but we know scientifically, even from a physical perspective, that is true as well. Mm -hmm. And so, um, absolutely. I have a question for you um, regarding testosterone. We were talking a little bit about this before the podcast. And um, we were discussing testosterone levels for men. And you were telling me that about 30 years ago, the average testosterone for a man was approximately about 1,500, 1,600, correct? Yeah, I, when I was on active duty for those 10 years, I saw many, many men. And in that environment, the men had testosterone levels that easily reached 13, 14, 15, 1,600 micrograms per deciliter. And that's not even, that's not with any... Uh, testosterone therapy no. any outside thing helping them with that that's literally how they were naturally yes whereas now the average is 100 to 300 you said 185 185 to, um you know 300 is about what i see on all my testing okay um i rarely ever see a man above 500 on his own and very uh it, it maybe one in uh, uh, five years, I see a man who hits 800 on his own. That's so interesting because now powerlifting, I, I see accounts and I read articles and, and people who you know take steroids in order to lift more weight. And even with the assistance of steroids, um, you know, they get to 100. And you know now we think, well, 800 is a lot, but that's not a whole lot in comparison to what men had 30 years ago mm -hmm. naturally. Mm -hmm. So what is the cause of this drop in testosterone? First of all, obviously, if men were, had 1,300, 1,500, 1,600 numbers were in regards to testosterone, God gave them that to function as a man, mm -hmm. to accomplish, to achieve things, to work. Mm -hmm. I mean, most men, if not, you know, I mean, today have no idea what that's like mm -hmm. to have that number. Right. I mean, that, that's an incredible amount of testosterone. Who knows? That's probably why they're growing such massive beards or whatever, you know. Um, but what was what is the cause for the decrease in testosterone now in men? I think it's the world you live in today, the oxidative stress of the life, even the breathing of the air. We have these geostratospheric engineered clouds now, these lines coming out of the back end of these uh, jets. And those have in them uh, uh, aluminum oxide, strontium oxide, barium oxides, and these are heavy metal toxins, and they land down, you know, and it, they disperse uniformly in the ionosphere to redirect, allegedly, the sun's rays to fight off global warming if you buy into that theory. Mm -hmm. I don't. But um, the other thing is it prevents the vitamin uh, D, ultraviolet light that's necessary for hitting your skin to produce your vitamin D, which is also a type of pre-hormone. Vitamin D is better understood as a hormone. And so, so you have uh, toxins in the air, uh, the jet stream coming from uh, China in the east, the jet stream dumps onto the United States. And you know, there's no EPA control in uh, China for any uh, real um, measurability and they're putting up cold flower, uh, powered plants every two weeks and so they don't uh, filter for mercury and that gets into the jet stream we already have a, a lead environment and all the dust um, around so uh, that's that's what we're breathing in the room in this air right now 
And then you have all the hydrogenated fats. Then you have all the high fructose corn syrup that was patented in the 1966 and bought by Monsanto in 1971. And it's everything from your ketchup to your ice cream. You know, and You're saying cream. it's a culmination of all these, uh, all these elements that over a long period of time that has caused men's testosterone to be lowered, obviously. Right, and, uh, and light pollution and, and all the staying up at night. Our cycles are off. Our rest cycles are off. Our emotional cycles are off mm -hmm. as well with all this triggered um, uh, imagery that's on the uh, TVs and social and media and yeah, everything. Social media. Yeah. So um, oxidative stress pollution is harming uh, the tiny, tiny capillaries that reach to and all the way down to a man's testicles and a woman's ovaries to from the brain to your vision to your toenails even. And so if these capillaries are easily clogged, and let me give you an example. On Thanksgiving dinner day, often we all overeat carbs. We overeat. And we all get tired, don't we? There's a drowsiness, and they attribute that to tryptophan in the turkey. Which obviously is nonsense. It's people. nonsense, yeah. And, and uh, so what it is, it's a absolute flooding of that sugar, that tiny molecule so rapidly absorbed Fats are not rapidly absorbed. Proteins are not either. They have to be digested. Is it over a period of four hours? Yes. Mm -hmm. About four hours or so that it takes to metabolize protein and fats? Mm -hmm. Whereas I would say in minutes. You know, that's why if you see a person going into a diabetic reaction of hypoglycemia, put some orange juice under the, their tongue and they'll immediately turn hmm. around. Immediately. So you have to understand you eating one muffin, one donut, one bowl of cereal, Cocoa Puffs, or all these stupid, you know, cereal products with long shelf lives and ha hydrogenated fats. I mean, I can go down mm -hmm. rabbit holes left and right. The, the blood sugar is going to rise immediately. It's going to clog up the little tiny capillary, which is one two hundredth of the diameter of one human hair. Hmm. That's how tiny it is. And so, you know, in the testicle and in the ovaries and your brain and your retina, all these very sensitive areas, you are going to clog those things up and choke off that organ. So we're seeing infertility. You're saying it, th that the clogging of it impedes the testosterone from being produced. From being produced, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and from them getting the nutrients. So we're not giving them nutrients like we should. We have poor cell membranes in the uh, ovaries and testicles, and uh, we have toxins coming in on top of it. We're clogging up the capillaries, so there's oxidative stress. It's like it's hypoxic there. So the uh, organ then goes into a state of um, uh, diminished function, and that diminished function is what I've been witnessing ever since I started practicing me medicine in the 70s, mm -hmm. you know? And I can just tell you, my heart goes out to all these young men who never even knew what it was like to have a 14, 1200, 1600 testosterone. And, yeah, and that's that, that breaks my heart <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I'm, I'm powerlifting right now. And, it, and obviously, I don't know what my numbers are, to, or my testosterone is, but you can only, I can only imagine if it was at a 1600, how much weight I can pull, what my deadlift can be if, if I just had that. But obviously, you know, as Christians, like, I earnestly covet that, you know, having that 1600 and, and, um, cause that's what God intended for us to have. And obviously at the end of the day, we need to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, but we are mind, body and spirit. Mm -hmm. 
And so they all work in conjunction one with another. We need to do the best that we can with what, what we have. So let, tell me this. What is something that men can do to bump up those numbers? Obviously, we might not get it to 1,600 naturally. And don't get any ideas regarding using anything else. But uh, what is it something that men can do naturally to bump up those numbers some more? Well, uh, clean up your diet mm-hmm. and clean up your lifestyle, circadian rhythm. Uh, going to sleep is a time and the only time really that your body heals and can repair your testicles or your ovaries or your eyes or your bones or your muscles, okay? Mm-hmm. The day is for use. The evening is for repair. So don't eat late. Mm-hmm. If you drop a load of food in your stomach after 6.30, you are actually biochemically and you are uh, stretch receptor-wise signaling your brain and your body that you intend to use this body for another six to eight hours, you know, until two in the morning, you know. And two in the morning is when all the janitors are coming out of your body to... To do the repair, and all your general contractors are coming Mm -hmm. out to survey the damage and do the repair work. So we teach don't eat past 6.30, drop your forks, just end it. But socially, uh, we're in a world where the restaurants are open till 10, 11, midnight Mm -hmm. or or 24 hours. Uh, All the gas stations are open, all the delivery systems are out there. So we're fighting a satanic, in my opinion, culture system that feeds to the weaknesses of man and the lusts of man. And it's harming his production of his his masculinity mm-hmm. and it's harming the women too i mean women's fertility is dropping which down. would also make a lot of sense as to why so many men are effeminate today oh my goodness yes these i preached on that yesterday and um that's that's a very common thing and it's i feel like it's more common now than it was even 20 years ago when when i was a young man and you know you rarely see an effeminate man but now it's it's all over it's it's everywhere but you you can kind of credit it to what you're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, the dieting and all that. And, of course, with, with social media, you can see why men have become more soft. Testosterone levels are low. Estrogen is high. You know, uh, speaking of estrogen, you see commercials of men on the beach and c- opening up some alcoholic beverage for partying mm-hmm. or dancing in the evening or whatever. It's always with alcohol. But you also see it married up with some excess carb. Uh, They're eating a pizza or a pie or or something like that as opposed to something more uh, healthy like uh, meat or fish uh, meal. And alcohol is like an estrogen. Mm -hmm. It's an estrogen mimicker. Uh, The body, uh, in a sense, when you take in alcohol, even if you eat uh, too much bread, wheat, cracker, cereal, bread, grains, that sits in your stomach for hours and it ferments and it will turn in some of it to alcohol. But God in his wisdom, he created in your liver alcohol dehydrogenase, an enzyme in the liver specifically designed to break down some fermentation uh, uh, product, uh, uh, fermentation of eating like the meal offering in the Jewish, um, they would have a fine grain, you know, uh, of their uh, first uh, wheats. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so there was some carbs and plant food there. I, I acknowledge that. But the volume that we have today in the fermentation. is far greater than then, is back far, then. Just the same thing with, the, with fruits and everything like that. People want to bring up, I mean, we should always eat fruits. But obviously, it's a different world back then. And obviously, fruits were a luxury in those days. Yes. Whereas now they're far more readily available. Yes. 
estrogen then if it cannot uh, estrogen is an alcohol is what I'm getting at mm-hmm. estradiol alcohol mm-hmm. ethanol anything yeah. ending if you did enough biochemistry and chemistry before becoming a doctor you would understand that's an that's an alcohol mm-hmm. and so women when we start producing our estradiol uh, we are under the influence of a calming mood altering um, uh, molecule mm-hmm. and uh, God gave this to us to I think position us in our relationship to our husbands to be nurturing kind of like a happy drunk you mm-hmm. know I, I mean not severe like that but in a sense it we're always under the influence of alcohol okay I see what you're saying you're saying the, the effects that it would produce is is kind of like this natural high that God gives women in order to um, you know nurture their children when they're nursing, mm-hmm. you know to, to to nurture or be affectionate towards their husbands, mm-hmm. it, it produces that natural high, so to speak. Maybe the word I should have chosen is mellow. Mellow than mild. It makes us mild and mellow, and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, this is a blessing. And so when um, women have a hysterectomy or they have uh, menopause hit, and I see when I was a young doctor in the seventies. I had women who would be menstruating all the way up into their early 60s. Now I see women in their late 30s going into menopause. Mm. I see infertility crashing. All right, so a man has to have a little bit of estradiol. So God has estradiol in a man, and I can measure it, and I do measure it, Mm -hmm. and I have for decades. And what happens is the man who drinks a a drink a day, several beers, blows them away, who eats a high-carb diet, when I get his lab and I see his estradiol level, it's high. It's high Mm -hmm. enough for me, almost 70, to get rid of my female hot flashes. Oh, wow. Yes. So these men are going around estrified (laughs) like a woman, okay? And, wow. And that Where was this information them. for my sermon yesterday? No, I'm just kidding. Well, well That's good. That's 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 devastating actually. And and commercials promote this. Commercials say drinking alcohol is manly. They say dr- eating these food gives you fun and has the girls come to you. And I'm telling you, no. This is absolutely not true. It's going to it's going to make you like a woman. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know, uh, yeah, that's and, crazy. And then what did they do to the women? They gave us birth control since the 70s and pushed it on us, liberally, under the excuse of, oh, you have poor menstrual cycles, you know, you let's get you on the pill. Mm-hmm. All the while, I know how doctors talk. I know what the, is in their background. Right. Get the girl on the pill so there's no babies made, you know? Mm-hmm. And so what happens is birth control is a synthetic, fake progesterone, like ovulation, okay? And it is actually, if you look at the Women's Health Initiative of 2001, uh, 2002, uh, that came out and it showed that progestins, which is the fake copycat and a bad copycat of progesterone, and there's only one progesterone, okay, for a woman and a man, and that uh, progestin is associated with more cancers more cancers so Mm. after all this research we've done 10 20 years uh well you know 20 years since that uh, report came out a retrospective meta-analysis shows that actually that was associated with more breast cancers but my point i want to get at is this then uh, also impacts the estrogen production in a woman so women have a crash in their estradiol 
Even after birth sometimes. After birth, but on the birth control pill. Mm -hmm. And so women become more testosterone dominant mm -hmm. because women make a little testosterone too for right. our muscle mass. Right. And so you're creating the perfect storm where you're taking away the uh, modifying feminine beautiful hormone estradiol. You're promoting the increase of her testosterone impact. And she becomes brutish and butchy-like butchy mm -hmm. and, and bossy. And, yeah. and testosterone is not an alcohol. It's in another class of uh, chemicals. And it's, it's that that gives a man his, I can do this, I'm strong. What's the problem? Give it to me. I know where I'm going. Uh, whereas women who don't have the estradiol and too much, they start getting, I want the leadership. I want control. At which point they get out of, they get out of their biblical role. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you're watering, uh, you're feminizing the men with, with this marketing and the alcohol and the drugs and the oxidative uh, bad eating. And you're masculinizing the women. Yeah. So at the end of the day, basically these, <clears throat> the way God created our bodies was to produce uh, these hormones in order to assist us in our in our, us fulfilling our biblical roles yes. in life, because having testosterone allows us to not be infidels, but to provide for our family, to fight God's battles, yes. to want to achieve and to accomplish things. But He's also created women to have these bodies and produce these hormones. Uh, of estrogen in order to be keepers at home, yes. to love their husbands, to nurture their children, in order to fulfill our roles in yes. life. Yeah. And and a lot of the problems that we see today are spiritual problems in America, but they can be tied into the physical issues that stem from bad dieting, that stem from birth control, that stem from alcohol and, and, and this propaganda to, to drink and to you know eat these kinds of foods that eventually ultimately essentially affect our spiritual life as well yes wow that's sad yeah it is yeah well um you know what can we say but first and foremost obviously the best thing you can do as you mentioned is just change your diet mm -hmm. and i and i definitely you know uh i see i like, like i mentioned i see a, a sudden move towards uh nose to tail dieting which i strongly encourage and and the carnivore diet i strongly encourage that or high fats and, 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 and meats and proteins and, of course, exercise and, you know, uh, lifting heavy and, and doing all those things. I think that's the most important thing. But also in conjunction with your spiritual life, making sure that you're exercising yourself unto godliness as well. Mm -hmm. Because the greatest strength that you can obviously obtain as a Christian is, is, this, is to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Right? Not by, my, not by uh, your power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And so um, that's pretty amazing. Well, Dr. Rita, uh, I think that was a great discussion. There's a lot to chew on there, pun intended. Um, but uh, I think we're going to conclude it there. It's a, it's a bit of a shorter episode here. And so uh, if you have any questions, go ahead and put it in the comment section below. But I want to encourage everyone who's, who's watching this podcast to go subscribe to Dr. Rita's channel. And she is, as you can clearly see, a well of information and knowledge that God has gifted her with. And obviously she's worked hard to obtain the knowledge as well. But here's the thing is that if you go to her channel, she goes live. When do you go live? On Mondays? Monday night at 6 o'clock. So I'll be live in... Pacific two, Standard Time. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, you're going live in about two hours. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, two hours on Monday, because this is going to be... This is pre-recorded. 
and she actually answers questions. And so yeah. if you have questions, you can put it on the live stream there and she will do her best to get to all the questions there. <clears throat> and so she's a doctor and she's willing to uh, put out that information there. So um, make sure you take advantage of that. She has a lot of information, a lot of knowledge as you can clearly see. So go subscribe to her channel. What is the channel called? Tustin Longevity Center. Tustin Longevity Center. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, visit the live stream. Put a question there. Hit a like button. Uh, recommend her channel to others and your with your family and friends. Spread the word there. And so that's pretty much it. Dr. Rita, thank you so much for joining us on the Rod of Iron Podcast. Did you have something you want to say? Yes, I'm I'm in a real need of finding a good doctor or two or three. I, yeah. I want to hire doctors who uh, love God and who uh, love people uh, and God's creation. And uh, I have two women out on maternity leave, so I'm working six days a week right now. Mm -hmm. And if I can find uh, a doctor, uh, uh, we certainly need them full-time, part-time. Uh, but they have to love God. And if, even if they don't know all the natural uh, things, I can teach them. And, mm -hmm. And we have training uh, for the um, healthcare providers there to learn about natural medicine in conjunction with the standard of care. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you need a, a blood pressure medicine, we'll start out with that, but we'll work to get you off that blood pressure medicine and so many other things. So if there's any doctors out there, uh, this is a fine place to, to live. Any place in the Lord is fine, you know. Mm -hmm. Amen. Well, Dr. Ray, thank you so much for joining us for this episode, and we're looking forward to having you again sometime in the future. God bless everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Rod of Iron podcast. Make sure you watch on YouTube, uh, listen to them on uh, the full episodes on Spotify. We'll catch you on the next episode. Mm -hmm.